We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Krzyzewski takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it into the foul. What is up? Welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. The Oklahoma City Thunder traveled to Brooklyn tonight, winning by a final score of 130-109 to over the Brooklyn Nets. It was a game in which the Nets were, were pretty depleted in terms of who they threw out on the floor. Uh, we're on the second night of a back-to-back coming off of a big win. Um, but Oklahoma City still was, was excellent offensively. It was one of those games where from start to finish, just hitting shots all over the floor, um, playing well together, tons of assist numbers, guys... Um, knocking down shots from three, from inside, near triple doubles. Um, so a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of exciting stuff from the Thunder tonight. Just diving right into the first quarter, um, things got out to a, a pretty quick start for them. So coming into this game, we knew it was going to be interesting, right? the The Nets would be without Kevin Durant. Um, they'd be without Kyrie Irving. Obviously, he can't play at home games; just certain away games. Um, just basically you know, based on, on local regulations uh, with COVID and all that kind of stuff. But the Nets were also coming off of a huge win, right? They had just beat the Chicago Bulls last night, which was a huge game for them, right? The, the Bulls are currently the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Um, the Nets are second right behind them. I still think the Nets are a, a better team. They've just been pretty inconsistent of late. Uh, in fact, I think they're 500 over their last uh, 10 games or so but huge win over the bulls um, they're without two of their best players second night of a back-to-back just a recipe for a really interesting game and so all that this all that to be said the the thunder come out in the first quarter and, and really dominated um, at the end of the first quarter the score was 38 to 26 so a huge scoring quarter for Oklahoma City almost almost put up 40 points um, one of those quarters in which, you know, normally giving up 26, you're probably not going to have a, a huge lead at the end of the first, but their offense was exploding and, and really got things done. So Oklahoma city shot 60% in the first quarter from the floor. 
uh, 45% from three, perfect from the line. They went seven of seven. Um, were dominating on the glass, uh, double the assist numbers. So just in general, Oklahoma City had a really, really good first quarter, came out through that first punch. And then they've struggled with a lot this year is coming out uh, and having a, a good first quarter. Large part of that, you know, in terms of throwing the first punch and having a big scoring quarter was Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He finished with 16 points, five assists, and I'm sorry, five rebounds and four assists. Uh, in that first quarter alone. I mean, that's halfway to a triple-double um, in terms of the, the rebounds and assists and, you know, obviously 16 points uh, on track for a huge scoring night. And Lou Dort helped as well. He had 10 points in the first, including two triples. Uh, Mike Muscala, huge, huge burst off the bench. It's it's good to see, too, you know, less than a month of the trade deadline. You like to see Muscala having games like this. Um, first quarter, he had eight points, two of two from beyond the arc uh, in three minutes. Eight points in three minutes, and um, both those threes came late in the quarter. Uh, helped Oklahoma City go on an eleven to two run down the stretch, and ultimately have um, that that significant lead through one frame. And the Nets, another thing to note too, um, they're not a good team at home. They're eleven and ten on the season at home. Um, they're fifteen and four on the road. So obviously their record's not where they want it to be. They are second in the Eastern Conference. Um, but they got the talent to be much better than they are at this point, and, and a lot of the struggles have come at home. So interesting, you know, the, the combination of everything that, that happened last night and the roster they're throwing out and just their home record. Uh, again, knew it was going to be an interesting game, and in the first quarter, the Thunder came out and, and really looked like the, the better team early on. So in the second quarter, Thunder didn't take their foot off the gas, which is impressive. You know, a lot of young teams, especially against a team like Brooklyn, you know, they're not at full strength, but still have veteran pieces. They've got a guy like James Harden who could literally beat the Thunder by himself on, on many nights. Um, had a spectacular second quarter. Uh, in fact, the, the first two quarters combined was the best Oklahoma City's played all year. So coming into this game against the Nets, Thunder's highest scoring first half was 61 points all season. Tonight, 70 in the first half. And not only did they score 70 points, they held Brooklyn to 51. So Oklahoma City had a 19-point lead entering halftime, which is spectacular. Um, Oklahoma City's the the worst three-point shooting team in the league. They were 11 of 24 in the first half. Um, although SGA wasn't as good in the second quarter, still finished with 21 points in the first half, which is a career high uh, in points in the, in, a, in the first half for SGA. Uh, Lou Dort got things going. Um, he was probably the, the best player for Oklahoma City in that second quarter. Uh, he had 19 points at half, including four threes. Uh, he was four from seven uh, from beyond the arc in that first half. Uh, Muscala finishes the first half with 11. Baisley had seven. Um, Giddy, you know, he, he's a guy that doesn't do a lot of scoring. He doesn't take a lot of shots, uh, but he did have seven points in the first half. Had a big corner three um, there to, to close out the second quarter. So it was interesting to see Oklahoma City continue to play that well. And to be honest, at the beginning of the second quarter, I didn't think that was going to happen solely based on the lineups. Um, Oklahoma City had that that fairly large lead coming into the second quarter, and Dagnall played a lot of interesting guys. Like you saw Ty Jerome out there. Um, you saw a little bit more of Trey Mann. You saw uh, Diakite. So interestingly enough, Diakite gets minutes right away. Um, he's on that 10-day deal with the Thunder right now. 
Uh, if you don't know who that is, he was part of the training camp roster, ultimately got hurt, didn't make the 15-man lineup or get a two-way contract. I'm not sure if he would have either way. I'd like to think that he would have gotten a two-way deal over Paul Watson Jr., uh, but he got hurt, uh, wasn't wasn't fit to make the roster coming out of training camp, although he was impressive and, and the coaching staff was, was pretty high on him. Um, now that he's healthy, Oklahoma City signed him to a 10-day deal. I'm assuming if he plays well, um, he'll have a good shot at maybe taking a two-way spot if Aaron Wiggins is promoted after the trade deadline, if there's still an open spot for him. So Diakite is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, played at Virginia, uh, really, really strong, yet undersized. You know, that's classic Oklahoma City, undersized bigs. Um, but but very, very strong uh, second-year player, won a championship with Milwaukee last year, although he didn't play a, play a large role in that at all. Um, has championship experience, I guess you could say, and, and has played alongside guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday and has had that veteran leadership uh, early in his career, which I think is, is pretty important. But he got six minutes of burn there in the second half. Uh, but overall, Oklahoma City, just a, a solid second quarter, looked just as good in the second quarter as they did in the first quarter. Again, had a 19-point lead going into halftime over the 26 and 14 Brooklyn Nets. Um, again, largely due to SGA and Dort's scoring outburst. Um, they combined for almost 40 points, actually 40 points on the dot in the first half. So to put that in consideration um, or in perspective, Dorton, Gildas Alexander, 40 points, Brooklyn, 51. So those two guys by themselves nearly outscored the Nets in the first half. Um, Oklahoma City, 11 free throws, um, made 11 free throws out of their 12 attempts, 46% from three, 53% from the floor, Um a ton, a ton of rebounds, 22 rebounds in the first half. Um, I guess that's not relatively, that's not a ton, but, but considering their size um, and, and some of the guys they were going against there in the first half, it was, it was impressive to see them crash the glass at that rate. Uh, but overall, Oklahoma City dominates the first half, um, both first and second quarter. And to be honest, going into halftime, you, you really had to think, does Brooklyn even have a chance at this point without major firepower in Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant. In the second half, it was the same story. Oklahoma City really ended up controlling this entire game. Um, after the third quarter, Oklahoma City was up by 17 points by a score of 183. So the Thunder scored 100 points through three quarters. A lot of games this season um, struggled to score 100 points through four quarters. So offense was clicking. Guys were hitting shots um, through three quarters. SJ had 28 points. Lou Dort had 24. Um, fourth quarter, the Nets pulled within eight points. Um, it kind of seemed like they were storming back. They had momentum. Crowd was starting to get into it again. Um, there were a couple of plays that, you know, guys were kind of getting fired up about calls they thought were, were the wrong direction or, or incorrect calls. And I think it was an eight-point game with roughly six and a half minutes left. So Brooklyn was, was certainly within striking distance at one point in the fourth quarter. Um, ultimately, Josh Giddy. <laughs> kind of put the game away, which is crazy to say for a rookie. Um, he, whether it was was setting up a teammate for a shot, assisting on a shot, um, scoring on his own, he ran the offense for um, about a minute straight there and extended the lead back to 15, facilitating the offense. Um, SGA follows that up by hitting a three and a layup to go up by 20 points with five minutes left. And from there, the game was over. Uh, Oklahoma City won by a final score of 130 to 109. 
So a 21-point victory over the Brooklyn Nets on the second night of a back-to-back. They continue to struggle at home. That puts them at at 500 on the season at home. Um, If they can figure things out at home, I think think they'll be the number one seed in the East pretty easily. May never happen. Um, Obviously, they've been without Kyrie Irving for the majority of the season. He will not be playing at home unless something changes um, for the rest of the season. So home record, got to figure that out for the Nets. Uh, but for the Thunder, it was an impressive night. You know, obviously, it's it's not what you want for the reverse tank standings, but nonetheless, it's a it's a big game for young guys' confidence. A uh, big game for a guy like Mike Muscala in terms of trade value. He finished with 14 points in just 12 minutes, four of four from beyond the arc, five of six from the field. Darius Baisley, awesome game from him off the bench. 16 points on nine shots in just 20 minutes. He also pulled down five rebounds. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, SGA finishes one assist shy of a 30-point triple-double. He had 33 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Lou Dort... 27 points on 17 shots. He went 6 of 10 from 3, which is wildly impressive. Like, going 60% from 3 is tough to do. When you're taking that many attempts, it's even more special. So, it's again, 6 of 10 from 3 for him. Quite the opposite story for Josh Giddy. He did finish with 19 points, but it was on 17 shots. Uh, 3 of 11 from deep. So, pretty rough outing for him from beyond the arc, which is kind of been a thing all season you know the last few games he's he's been converting from three at a little bit of a higher rate but tonight three of 11 I don't think he's a guy you want to see shooting 11 uh three-point attempts in a game I get it he's young um he's trying to get in his groove like sure but long term unless his shot really changes he's not a guy you want to see taking 11 threes uh Aaron Wiggins once again a starter tonight finishes with nine points six rebounds two assists on just eight shots found a way to be um, pretty productive in, in limited offensive action in terms of, of shots taken. But overall, Thunder looked very, very, very good offensively. Um, 109 points 
Defensively, giving up 109 points doesn't always result in a win for a team like the Thunder. Almost never results in a win. But when you score 130, it tells a bit different of a story. So they finished the game shooting 51.6% from the floor, uh, 44% from three on 45 attempts. That is nuts. They hit 23s tonight, Um, 16 of 18 from the line. They ended up getting crushed on the glass. You know, early in the show, I had talked about um, how they how they uh, were, were doing well on the glass, had 22 rebounds and, and only finished with 38. The the Nets finished with 50, 21 offensive rebounds for Brooklyn. That is bonkers. So Oklahoma City, if there's one thing you take away from this game, they didn't do well. It is protect the offensive glass. I guess on there and it'd be defensive, but they allowed. Brooklyn, 21 offensive rebounds. Um, usually, that's a recipe for disaster. But when you have 32 assists to Brooklyn, 16, I think it just goes to show Shea and Giddy were uh, really doing a good job of facilitating the offense. Uh, 11 turnovers for Oklahoma City, 12 for Brooklyn. Uh, fairly even on fast break points. Fairly even on points in the paint. Um, very even in uh, fouls in the night. Although the uh, the free throws, there's a little bit of a discrepancy. I think Brooklyn... Ended up taking four or five more free throws, so I guess not too much. But uh, overall, big night from Oklahoma City. Um, probably won't be a, a trend. You know, they've, they've got a fairly difficult schedule coming up. Um, they've got the Cavaliers on Saturday. That's in Oklahoma City, but the Cavs are playing well. Got the Mavericks in Dallas Monday. Uh, then the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Cavs again uh, later next week. So, None of those games will be slouch games. I guess it ultimately depends on who ends up playing. The Nets didn't look like a slouch game on the schedule, but then when you sit two of your uh, two of your all-star players, uh, these kinds of things happen. For Brooklyn, um, Cam Thomas ultimately was one of their better scorers tonight, although he took a ton of shots. He had 21 points on 18 shot attempts. Uh, James Harden finishes with 26, 9, and 7 on 22 shot attempts. He was just 3 of 11 from beyond the arc, so... Uh, similar efficiency from deep as Josh Giddy, which is crazy because Harden is a, a much better three-point shooter. Outside of that, no one did a whole lot for, for Brooklyn. So um, interesting night overall, to say the least. Thunder win by 21 points and um, get the victory in Brooklyn. So again, less than a month till the All-Star break. I think we should spend a little bit of time talking trade since that's going to be uh, a really, really big topic of conversation over the next three and a half weeks. It's crazy. Um, the season seems like it's flying by, reaching the halfway point for the Thunder and for all teams around the league in terms of the regular season. Um, I don't want to talk specifically about players they should trade for. Um, I would just say I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if it was a disappointing deadline in terms of bringing back players. Um, they've got that last roster spot open now that they've waived Gabe Deck. Um, they've got a ton of um, cap space uh, in terms of like their payroll and what they could bring back. They could essentially almost take back any player without sending any salary back. Um, I truly, truly, truly think that that last roster spot is going to be used to take on unwanted salary along with um, an asset, right? In the past... That's been draft capital. We've seen that with Derek Favors. We've seen that with Al Horford. We've seen that with Chris Paul. Um, The Thunder are willing to take on very large contracts as long as they get something attached to it. And it's been picks. I'm not saying that there's not a chance that 
Um, maybe a team dumps some salary and gives a young player alongside that that player, and then maybe they buy out the the large contract. I don't know what it would look like. So I'm not saying there's no way Oklahoma City's not going to get a young player or trade for a young player at the deadline. Um, I would just say I think their priorities right now are focused around um, gaining more assets through taking on salary. You know, reach that salary floor, take on. I mean, they're they're really the best the best position team right now to take on a wanted salary. Not many teams around the league can um, take on large contracts. Oklahoma City is one of the few. And there's going to be a lot of teams around the league that are looking to duck the luxury tax. Like they might not be bad teams, but they know they're not going to be a true contender. Uh, if they're hovering around 500 at this point. So that means, you know, hey, let's let's dump one of these contracts. Let's get below the luxury tax. Let's save some money and start working about or worrying about next year. And so that could be something Oklahoma City leverages. And it could turn into a bidding war, like kind of the, the flip of a traditional bidding war, uh, more about we're the only team that has cap space. So, you know, who's going to offer the most to offload salaries? So it'll be interesting to see. Um, February 10th is the NBA trade deadline. Uh, I would imagine between the trade deadline and this summer, Oklahoma City will look very, 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 very different next year. You see that a lot in the modern NBA. Um, like the Knicks today, they traded away. Or I'm sorry, the uh, the Hawks traded away Cam Reddish. And the Knicks traded away Kevin Knox in that deal um, Kevin Knox, I believe, is the longest tenured Knicks player. Now Mitchell Robinson is the longest tenured Knicks player. Um, for Oklahoma City, kind of same thing with like a Darius Baisley, one of the most tenured players. And these guys haven't been around long. So with how much roster turnover there is, with how um, active Oklahoma City is going to be at the deadline in the summer, wouldn't be shocked to see this team look very, very, very different. So all that to say, don't get too attached to any one player. I'm not saying Shea and Giddy are going to be gone, but some of these more role players or, or overflow young guys, they could be gone in a, in a heartbeat. So going to be very interesting. A lot of, uh, a lot of trade speculation over the next month, I'm sure with reporters putting out what they're hearing around the league. Uh, but until we talk to you guys again on, is that going to be Saturday? So in two days for the Cleveland Cavaliers game, uh, stay safe out there. And as always, up.